0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash
1: awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm Neil Manthorpe and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison, to look back at round seven of the county championship. We'll discuss that remarkable 190 for 45-year-old Darren Stevens and won't we discuss it? So, confirmation of the excellent form of England's Rory Burns and we'll also be joined by Nottinghamshire's seamer Luke Fletcher after his match figures of 10 for 57 in their win over Worcestershire, the only win of round seven. As well as that, we'll hear from Kane Williamson, the head of New Zealand's series against England, and discuss how the India series could affect the resumption of the IPL. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Army, I've got two things to say to you. First up, one is Darren Stevens, and the other is the fans are back. The fans are back. Yes, it was great to see them back. I must admit, there must
2: be the you will see die hard fans. You've got to say, die hard fans are back. If you sat and watched, if you sat and watched cricket this week inside the stadium, you are a die hard fan because it's been raining, it's been freezing, and I'm fair play to you. You've been waiting for it for a year. So if you have been to the cricket this week, I'm sure you've enjoyed it, and it's great to have you you back. And Darren Stevens, what more can we say? We had him on a few weeks ago. Um, talking about getting 100 just before his 45th birthday. Well, what an innings. What an innings. I've been involved in some last, last wicket partnerships when you're back for long periods of time with you know balls faced. you don't get many runs uh, in the in the runs column. And that's what Young Cummins has done. Getting Darren Stevens 190, he just keeps defying logic. 45-year-old. <laughs> Not five-year-old and playing a bit part. 45-year-old, he got 190 and he got Marnus Labashir out again. Um, it's a, it just seems an easy game to get him into the <laughs> Test matches in the Ashes. Because I'd imagine Marnus Labashir, when he comes to playing against England in the Ashes, um, he's going to be one of the, of the highlights and the big hitters that England will be looking to get out. So Darren Stevens can have a quiet conversation with some of the England bowlers just to give him a little bit of a tip on how to get him out. Because that's twice now, LBW Stevens. Marlis Labashian, second best batsman in the world at
0: this minute in time. Yeah, easy game when you easy game when you're, you're forty five, isn't it? Let's um, start with Surrey against which also really caught my attention, and I thought that was an excellent game of cricket. It was, I mean, there are lots of features that stood out. It was nice to see Peter Hanscombe finding some form. He scored seventy, captaining Middlesex, um, which is more than he scored in seven innings before that. He was averaging seven. Um, but they set up the game really nicely, and I—I uh, I, mean, at 200 for two, Middlesex looked like they were going to win it, but uh, they ran out of steam, finishing at 250 for six. Lots of good stuff there, 100 for Rory Burns, and an amazing collapse from Surrey, who put on 135 for the first wicket between Burns and Stoneman in the first innings, before collapsing to 190. And a quirky stat: that's the second highest opening partnership in the history of the County Championship. For a team that was then bowled out for less than 200. Wow. <laughs> there were lots of things that stood out in that game.
2: They did, yeah. And um, again, like I said, it's nice to see Burns. He got 60 in the first inning. I, I, if I was Tim Murtagh, I'd be disappointed not to get one of the first, one of the two LBW decisions. Um, you know, That's a little bit of luck you, put, you need sometimes when it comes to Burns. And then getting 100, he looked, he looked good. He looked accomplished in the second innings. I really enjoyed Middlesex bowling attack. I, I, I've seen Helm and heard about young Tom Helm quite a bit, but I think this kid's got something. He was bowling about 84 mile an hour. There's a couple of little things that potentially I think he could do to to, to advance his action and pace wise. He, he might get a, a yard of pierce. six foot four, six foot five, big, big tall lad, hit the deck hard. He got three wickets and thought he bowled nicely. And I thought young Blake Cullen. Um he, he looked about he looks about ten years old. He looks about ten years old and he needs a good meal, but I tell you what, he can bowl. So I only got they only got three wickets each, but little things like that just stood out for me. You know, the young players on T V wanting to make their mark, possibly a little bit nervous first up because the cameras are on and then once they settled in the bowl beautifully. So you know, little things like that, I I, I enjoyed Amler again. Hashim Amla, little glimpses in the second innings, trying to set the game up. Ollie Pope with a, you know, we're 37 not out, trying to set the game up. Pope and Burns getting themselves ready for that first Test match. Uh, good signs for England.
0: And yeah, just to confirm, Rory Burns uh, fifty for the seventh time. He's now got 554 runs at 61 with 106 fifties, and the fifty in both innings for Mark Stoneman as well. Kemar Roach took nine for Surrey in his last game. And we must mentioned Nick, Gummins, uh, Nick Gubbins' uh, 100, but Middlesex's target was was 290 for six. Middlesex have been shorter on runs than any other county. So, um, you know, batsmen feed off each other, don't they? He made 124 and Hanscom 70. So hopefully they'll begin to find some form.
2: Yeah, it's a corner that needed to be turned. And you know, Middlesex were closely staring this and thinking, you know what, where's our next run coming from? Being in that position from a bowling point of view in the wickets. But, you know, Middlesex from a batting point of view, we spoke week for the last three weeks on it needs to turn. And possibly a little glimpse in that second innings when they had a total of chase turn into a one-day game, get the momentum going and, and fingers crossed that they'll they'll do that for the next one. But Gubbins, another one, youngish English batsman being talked about for the last couple of years. Potentially knocking on the England door, a couple of academy, training. Um, and it's nice to see him getting some runs. And Hanscom was desperately needed. When your captain can't score a run, you know, when you're trying to deliver your message and you know, have a go at your players, it's very, very difficult to do that from a position of no runs on the board. So, you know, be good signs for sex.
0: Okay, really interesting game here as well. Again, between Hampshire and Leicestershire. What makes me laugh is that. Hampshire took 12 points from it and Leicestershire took 11. One point difference. But if that had been a football game, Hampshire would have won it Um, 7-0. So they've... Hampshire been bowled out for 233. Who'd have thought that would be a good score? But then Kyle Abbott, with his third consecutive fifer, knocks Leicestershire over for 84. And it was a 10th-wicket stand of 30, which saved the follow-on. They saved it by one run. Hampshire then... Forfeited their second innings. That doesn't happen very often these days, and left less 150 in 22 overs. Now I know that you're not going to be desperately tempted by that when you've just been knocked over for 84. But, but I, I did. I mean, I did expect them. I, mean, I really did expect them to go for it, even even just two or three down. You know. Um, but I guess 152, bit steep, difficult conditions, not great light. What did you think of it? No, it, it,
2: I thought that would have had a go. I didn't think they had too much to lose. You know, Hampshire have tried to set the game up because they are within touching distance of the top two to be in Division One to contest for the Bob Willis Trophy at the end of the year. So, and there will be, you know, the oldest in a go and forfeiting in, this, in the spirit of the game. You're trying to win a cricket match. For me, I've got no problem with that. Contriving two captains having a go, put their heads together to try and get an outcome risk losing to potentially winning if you need to win which Hampshire did so I didn't have a problem with that I thought Leicester would have had a go you know, like you said even if you get up you're only going to be shooting four five six overs max if that so I'm disappointed that Leicester didn't didn't have a, a, a proper at it um, but it's probably done Hampshire a favor getting them points on the board drawn with everybody else um, and they're still within touching distance but you can see why they they tried to what they did, and fair play to, uh, to, to James Mintz for doing that. He give a, a real good goal to try and get his team
0: in the top two by winning cricket matches. And finally, Somerset against Gloucestershire, also finishing in a draw, although Somerset will feel pretty hard done by, having recovered to 300 for eight, more runs for skipper Tom Abel, 132 not out, and Lewis Gregory making a, a valuable half-century at number nine. Uh, they then... Reduced Gloucestershire to twenty-seven for six, so every reason for them to believe that uh, they were they were robbed of a few more points by uh, by the rain. Um, Somerset looking good, just you know, smooth as as ever.
2: Yeah, smooth as ever. The look is the, the one thing Somerset have always had runs in them. They've always down at Taunton, They've always had runs in them. Can they get twenty wickets enough times to to force a victory? Yes, it was completely decimated by the uh, by the rain, but. Good signs for England. Craig Overton had last game off. Didn't really hurt him too much because the last game they got rained off and he, he wouldn't have bowled that much anyway. But this time he's come. He's had a little bit of a run out, bowled seven overs, four for 16. Good signs for England. It puts another, just a little spanner in the work for the selection panel for that first test match against New Zealand. We want to play Wood, Anderson and Broad, but with Leech as well, can we play four number 10s? Do we need somebody that can score some runs? and get wickets, and Ollie Robinson or uh, Craig Overton, because the more you know, are better with the bat. Well, Craig Overton's telling you that if it comes down to wickets, I'm in, I'm in decent form. He's played six matches and got 36, so, and he hasn't really exerted himself this week, so good sign for England, that one.
0: There does seem to be a feeling that Ollie Robinson is uh, quite a long way ahead of Overton in the pecking order. Yeah. Is, is that right? Does that, uh, yeah, I, I find so. that quite surprising. Yeah, I think so. I think he is. I'm.
2: I'm not sure if that's. He's been in. The, he was in the bubble for a little bit longer. They've had a look at Craig Overton. Whether they've made the mind up or they're not sure. Potentially more suited to, you know, the the Australian trip rather than the English summer. Robinson pitches up a little bit more. I'm not sure if he's any quicker than 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 Overton. I think they'll be round about similar speeds. I think Craig's probably a better batsman than, than Ollie, but just sharing it. I think he's ahead of him because I think England probably want to have a look at him. Let's have a look at him when the lights are on, when the cameras are on, when the crowd's in, when the media's there and the newspapers and you know, the TV are. You know, we've seen what Craig Overton's got. Have we seen what Ollie Robinson's got? No. That's why I think he's just slightly ahead of them. But then, both of them at this minute in time, if they get selected for England, they're in bang, they're right in banging form. So, you know, fair play and good on them for doing that.
0: Overton's 36 wickets this season have come at just 12.8. And I mentioned Tom Abel, um, 529 runs at an average of 66 for the Somerset captain. He's also faced over a thousand balls. Mm. Nottinghamshire were able to blow away Worcestershire to win by an innings and 150 runs. Thanks largely to 10 wickets in the match for Luke Fletcher, who joins us now on the Cricket Collective. Figures of seven for 37 in the first innings and three for 20 uh, Ten for fifty-seven. though. <laughs> uh, quite some numbers, Flats, um, and well done for winning between the rain. The only win in uh, out of seven ma- out of eight matches. I
3: oh, know it was it was crazy. I don't think um, I don't think we quite believed ourselves until um, you know we got ourselves six wickets uh, on, day, on the night of day three, and then we thought you know we've got a sniff of this.
0: I was just wanted to say um, the turnaround has been unbelievable. Um, Nottinghamshire didn't win a game for a couple of years. And and didn't start this season particularly convincingly. You've now won three in a row, two by an innings, and one by 310 runs.
3: I know. It's just crazy. I mean, that's sport for you, isn't it? Um, we came close against Warwickshire at Trent Bridge at the early in the season. And, um, we you know, they sort of just picked us. But um, we've been playing well. And uh, we just needed to get over the line that first time. And then, you know, once you get a bit of confidence around the squad and and lads taking wickets and batters standing up and scoring hundreds. You know, it's um it, you know this momentum thing. It's, you know, you win one, two, three, and you know hopefully it can go on for all season now.
2: And the pre-season, Fletch, is a bit different because you're obviously with the COVID stuff. And it seemed the first couple of games, the wickets were flat because it hadn't rained for six weeks. And all of a sudden, there's a bit of rain around. Ball's doing a bit. Bowlers seem to have a little bit more juice in the legs. And the wickets are coming quite regularly.
3: Well, the first game, Harvey, I, mean, I, I bowled 47 overs at Trent Bridge against Durham. And I thought, this is ridiculous. In April, you know, you normally bowl one, maybe two spells max in innings, don't you? And that's it. So I, then I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this for a long time. You know, I'm in my last year contract. Shall I just, you know, make this the last year? Because 47 overs in April at Trent Bridge is crazy. But you're dead right. Mate. You know, the weather's come in and all, all of a sudden it's started to, to swing and nip around a bit more. So, yeah, the, I've, I've definitely enjoyed the last two or three weeks, but it didn't start off too well.
2: <laughs> and you're, you're good mates with him, um, but how good is it to have Stuart Broad not only open the ball at the other end, but actually in the team, in your team, opposition, are looking across the dressing room, one of the best players that's ever to play for England, and he's playing for knots, and he's, he's doing what he does for England, for Knott's.
3: I know, and I, to be fair, it's been, I've been lucky. I, you know, We both signed the same year, so I've played with him for a while now. Um, but some of the younger lads in the dressing room, even like, you know, in rain delays, everyone's just hanging off every word that Broad is saying. He's telling us stories about certain games. It, it's amazing to have him around. And actually, he, he loves playing for knots and he gives 110% like he does for England. He, you know, he ran in all day yesterday. Me and him, we bowled for a whole session yesterday because we needed to get the four wickets and then, you know, the change around. So I went again with the new ball. Broad, he went again after lunch. I, you know, I sat down for 40 minutes. I couldn't get up. I had, a, I had a bit of chicken pasta and I couldn't move, but he ran in again. Uh, but he's just a legend. He's just a great bloke, and like he's saying, uh, one of the best bowlers ever to play the game. And he's, he's you know, he's opening the bowl at the other end to me, so it's amazing. And um, yeah, he's, he, you know, he just loves the club as well, which is which is always handy.
2: You're sitting with 31 wickets this season, uh, an average of 11, I think it is, if my uh, my stats have got it right. You mentioned 13 years we've been talking about in the first part of the show about Darren Stevens playing at 45. I will, I will, what 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 can you see? Luke Fletcher playing another 13 seasons to get somewhere uh, near Steve?
3: It seems a long way off, doesn't it? But so, <laughs> you never say never. But I, I'd say it's highly unlikely. What I would say is I'm probably uh, the best point in my career which is weird because normally when you get to 32, 33 everyone's right and you're off aren't they? They're saying you know, you're a fast bowler, you've be done it in a couple of years but I think sportsmen have changed now, you know look at Jimmy and Brodie I know they are natural athletes and I'm I'm not an athlete at all to be honest but it's different now you know these fitness coaches, two physios, two fitness coaches all sorts now. you know the, the facilities and, and things like that, nutritionists and all that, I, I don't get me wrong I don't follow it that well but <laughs> um, you've got more of a chance to stay in the game for for a bit longer, yeah.
2: How many times have you said to that to the fitness coach, "Look at my wicket column"? I'm just, I've, I I used to do that all the time when you said go on in the gym, and I'm like, no, well it'll improve you. Look at my wicket column; I'm quite happy where I'm, where, where well, my
3: body's at. I've had that battle for years, yeah. You know, I pride myself on being on the park, really. Um, exactly. Touch wood, I, touch wood. I've not had too many nasty times away. You know, what I mean, I don't. I hate talking about injuries, but. Uh, yeah, I, I pride myself on being on the park. So, I'm not too worried what my yo-yo test is, but, um, you know, I'm definitely more 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 worried about my, my wickets column, that is for sure.
0: You ought to pay, uh, or give credit to, to the batsmen for setting it up. We haven't mentioned them yet. <laughs> Did, they put 400 for five on the board in pretty quick time with Ben Duckett's 177 and the captain in the runs again.
3: Well, exactly, yeah. We would never have been able to to win that game if, we, you know, we would have been rolled out for 2.30, 2.40, 2.50, something like that, then, we, you know, we just wouldn't have had enough time in the game. So, that that massively set it up and, I mean, Mullaney, when he went in, I think he went in and hit two sixes on his first ten balls and he just sort of took the game away then and that obviously gave us the time that night to to bowl 18 overs, I think. Because sometimes at night, if you bowl seven or eight overs, I was talking to Brody about this, you sort of force it because you're, like, sort of desperate to get wickets. Hmm. was as you have like an hour and a half, eighteen overs, you can sort of settle in, can't you? And get, you know, you settle into a bit of a rhythm. And then um, yeah, we've had it we've had it this season already against Derby where we we got we got them eight down in like sixteen, seventeen overs. So it's a nice time to bowl, but yeah, definitely settled by the batters, you know, Ducky Mulaney with top draw and, and Lyndon James as well, who you probably don't know too much about. He's a young lad, young all rounder who's who's, you know, he's having a great start to the season, so he's a good lad to keep an eye on.
2: And he's sitting top of the league. One game in hand on Essex who was second. You know, and Man has mentioned three rings in a row now. Is this, you know, you feel as though you can, you can beat anybody, especially at Trenbridge?
3: Well, yeah, we just beat Essex last week, or the week before we had a break last week. Yeah, we you know, we hammered them last week in that game at Trenbridge. So, the confidence is high at the minute. The only thing mm-hmm. is now that Broadly leaves to go in that test bubble. So, you know, there's a spot open for someone to come in. But, I mean, there's, we got Brett Hutton, Zach Chappell, uh, Jake Ball, who's he ain't come back yet, Ballie, but eventually in the next few weeks, you know that that spot's got to get filled. So that's the challenge for us now. But definitely the way the way we're playing. I mean, our opening batters in Haseeb Amir and Ben Slater have been the best opens had at the club since I've been here. Really, we've always really struggled at the top of the order. Mm. Um, so it's it's got a nice feel about it at the minute. So I don't want to say too much, but yeah, hopefully we can we can make hay while the, while the, the confidence is high.
2: But with Stuart, with Stuart setting the example, how much do the young lads just feed off that? And you expect once even if you take Stuart out, the standards he's been setting in your group now are at such a point where it should just carry on.
3: Exactly. So I think the lads now who are looking from outside the first team or in the second team um, are expected to bowl at a level where you know you know that's the sort of standard we're at in the first team cricket. Um, we get judged on a lot of things now. it would probably be different to when you play, but there's a thing at Trent Bridge called the bar. It's, it's the business area. Mm. So it's, uh, we try and make sure we're like a, a high percentage. like in the 70 to 80% around the business area. The analyst does all the work. So you've pretty much judged on every ball now. Mm. Um, so there's a, you know the standard is high, and um, especially when you, you, know, you come to Trent Bridge and there's, there's a bit of pace in the wicket and there's a bit of grass You want to make sure you're up on your length. A lot of teams come and see the ball flying through and they bang it in. And they yeah. don't, you know, it looks good, but it, it's not really effective. Um, mm. But the real skillful bowlers who bowl well like at Trent Bridge, they pitch the ball up there, like you Jimmy Andersons. I mean, Graham Onion's got nine for against us. I don't know if you played that game. He got nine for and ran me out. <laughs> <It was> <laughs> probably... <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, the standards are set high now, and you know, we need to make sure we maintain it through for, for the whole season. And the nice thing is, we we have got a squad of bowlers that can. That can, that can go hopefully go all the way because we haven't had that in the past. You know, you get a couple of niggles and a few young lads are coming in and are not quite ready. Now there's a good squad of bowlers around.
0: Congratulations, <laughs> Lou. Well done. I mean, you know, not just to you for the for the 10 for 57, but the extraordinary turnaround in, in form for knots. And, uh, well, you, you know, as I said, you didn't start the season convincingly, but my goodness me, you're the form team now. So congratulations. Thank Keep you. going. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Many thanks to Luke Fletcher, as I said, one of the game's great characters. Uh, Just a quick mention there for Jake Libby, who continues to be in the runs, although Worcestershire got thrashed. The opener has moved now to 611 runs, uh, just 13 off the pace setter Durham's David Beddingham. Uh, He's also faced more deliveries than uh, anyone else. Talking of Durham, Derbyshire drew with uh, Durham. And what stood out for you, Harmy, it wasn't... um, Nothing particularly eye-catching was there. Um, Durham. I um, I was watching Cameron Bancroft uh, with a very, very slow start to his innings. But um, anything else caught your eye, Matt Critchley, in the runs and wickets? Bancroft batted for a while. Um, He's batted for a long
2: time actually, nearly 140 balls for his 39. Getting used to back into English English conditions. A little bit of pressure on him because he opened his mouth during the week and caused a little bit of controversy, which I'm sure. These four fast bowlers at home when they get back to Sheffield Shield. If they ever get back, Cameron Bancroft even at the Wacker where he plays his home cricket, I don't think Cameron's going to get many in his half when uh, when the big fast bowlers get anywhere near him. But that's another story. Again, nothing happened in the game really. Look at it. Two positive things. Durham, you know, again, we spoke to Chris Rushworth very emotional last week. Got his six for again on a on a seeming friendly wicket. And the good thing for me, Mark Wood's getting overs under his belt. Wood's getting over us under his belt. He got two for 84, not bothered about the two or the 84, Bowled 23 overs. And I think that's a good, it's a good number for Mark to get in and innings. And he keeps have to build on that. And hopefully he's another one just getting himself ready to put a hand up for selection for, for a couple of weeks time at um, when the first test match comes around. But apart from that, There wasn't much happening in the game other than, by all accounts, the members of Derbyshire were very, very cold and very, very windswept and wet throughout the whole four days because it looked, from the the footage that I've seen, that it was very, very cold in Derbyshire. Very, very cold.
0: It was uh, at least the new ground is a bit more secluded than the old uh, race course ground with before they built up those wind breaks. But yeah, just a quick mention to Matt Critchley, who just continues to produce numbers 49 and another three wickets, 561 runs at 51 and 19 wickets with his leg breaks at 33. So, uh, you know, we've mentioned him with just a solid, solid reliable performer. And finally in this section, Essex draw with Warwickshire, Very little play possible. 50s for Sir Alistair and uh, Ryan Tenderscarter. Warwickshire bowled out for 166. Um, Dom Sibley. Those are important runs, just 43 of them. But, um, you know, he's, he's shown that the finger is fully recovered and he spent some valuable time at the crease. Peter Siddle, 638. He's still going well.
2: Yeah, going very well. I think he went past 1st hundred and fifty first-class wickets. And for Australian, bear in mind the Australians don't play a lot of first-class cricket. That's a that's a good number. That's a big number. Good to see Siddle running in and keep going well. The, the dominant Sibley one was the balls first, One hundred and twenty balls first. That's a good number of balls first, Time in the middle, getting used to being back out there, giving the finger a good a good test, especially against a, a Peter Siddle, because even though. You know, Peter's getting on a little bit. He's still got a, he still hits the splice hard, he still bowls a heavy ball into that sort of good length. So, you know, fair play to Sibley. Fifty for Tim Bresnan as well, and overs for for Ollie Stone. So as much as there wasn't a great deal happening in the game, um there was some important good important run-outs for for some key people for England.
0: You're listening to the cricket collective on Talk Sport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and england fast bowler steve Harmison. still to come we'll discuss uh, the final few results from the county championship including that record-breaking week for kent's darren stevens this is the cricket collective on talk sport 2 with the institute of cricket
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs,
0: some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and our review of round seven of the County Championship. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can always listen back to the podcast, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. I've been looking forward to this. Kent against Glamorgan. uh, Darren Stevens. We've all probably got our favourite stat and our favourite record that he broke amongst the dozens it seems but the bare facts of it are 190 off 149 balls 15 fours 15 sixes Kent were 80 for five when he walked to the crease very soon to be 120 for eight he gets them to 307 all out he then dismisses as you heard Harmy say in the first part of the show Manus Lubbershane for the second time this season it just the highlights package of Darren Stevens innings I have made sure that I've kept it on my hard drive because whenever I'm feeling a bit bleak or a bit blue, I'm gonna get it out and watch it. I mean, it was just absolutely phenomenal. I said, we've all got our favorite numbers, probably got your favorite shots as well. What it, comes to mind, it, first of all?
2: Unbelievable man! The guy is still playing at 45. That's the biggest, stat. the hunger for the game at 45, not just to stand down and belt it but to come up and bowl as well. He's, this guy, darren Stevens has got 19 wickets, 19 wickets and average of 20 at 45-year-old. It's just phenomenal. And the other 100, 190, watching some of the shots I've seen, and I've been on the end of, of that in one day cricket. Darren, Darren's darren got the better of me a couple of times, especially at the St. Lawrence Grand at Kent. I remember one game he went berserk. I mean, you just can't bowl at him. He gets gets right across. He plays a short ball so well. And when he's in his disruptive mode, he gets himself in a position where he just played baseball, baseball star, and uh, he's very, very difficult to bowl. Um, but the 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 fun, the fun start, the 166, I think he put on with with Miguel Cummins, and he got I think he got one, he had one of 60 balls or something. It was like it was just frightening. I've been in that situation before as a as a tailender. I remember once putting fifty on with Marcus Juscothic and he came up to me and said, "Yeah, I keep going, keep, yeah, I keep trying to hit it." And I looked at the scoreboard, and I didn't have a run. I didn't have any. <laughs> I think one I put on one with Fred, Andrew Flintoff. I ninety nine and a hundred one. I think when he belted then Nintini, and then Nintini got ten for it at Lords on that great game, but he got ten for like two hundred. Fred got one hundred and forty, and I was at the non-striker's end for the majority of Andrew's innings. And it's just breathtaking. It's brilliant to watch. And you just look at the bowlers thinking, what where am I gonna bowl here? And then you look at the fielders and they're just forever just it's like watching a tennis match, they're just forever looking into the air. So what more can you say about Darren Stevens? He spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and he just he just seems to love the game. It's how long can he go on for? But you know, Kent need him because he seems to be holding that team together. Because the rest of them, I think they look they need to look at. They're elder statesmen and, and really look at themselves and think, well, we're letting them down because they're not putting runs on the board and teams are, are getting them out far, far too cheaply. So they need to start booking their ideas up the top six because they can't keep waiting for a 45-year-old to get you out of trouble.
0: Of the 214 runs that were scored at the wicket uh, while Stevens was there, he scored 190, which is the highest percentage of runs scored while a batsman has been at the crease in the history of first-class cricket. In the wow. history of first-class cricket. 190 out of 214. In second place, by the way, Gert Sneiman for Namibia against Kenya in 2008. But this number you'll love, Harmi. Most sixes scored by a bat in first-class cricket, most sixes in an innings by a batsman 40-plus. Not 45-plus. 40 plus, yeah, 15 is the record held by Darren Stevens. 15 in second place, Harry Makepeace in 1926, Lancashire against Worcestershire. 10.
2: With them bats as well, you know, 10 sixes with the, the bats that they used in 19, you know, in the 1900s. It's you couldn't get the, you could hardly get the ball off the square, but I bet you if you went down that list. Darren Stevens will be on that list quite a few times because I'd imagine after the age of forty, he's got plenty of hundreds after the age
0: of after the age of forty, and he hits sixes. He's, a six he's in third. He's in third place. Just do, yes. do you remember? Do you remember the hundred he scored against Yorkshire in twenty nineteen? Nine sixes. Yes. So he's in third place. <laughs> it's phenomenal and
2: it's brilliant. Steve, I'll keep it going. Yeah, you know, we're, we're all at talks hundred percent behind you. He's, did a, he's been a fantastic professional and uh, he just seems to keep going, keep going. Everybody we talk to, him, you know, can you believe? And they keep saying, like Luke Fletcher said there, I've had a 13-year career. It'd be like going back to the start and doing it again. And he's still going. Uh, phenomenal. Brilliant, Steve-O. Fantastic, man.
0: Did you know Harry Makepeace was uh, a double international? He played four games of football for England as well as four, four test matches.
2: Wow, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't even know. To be fair, I didn't know how he made, who Harry Makepeace was. I thought he was an. I thought he was an actor. I thought he was like an action film
0: star. But no, <laughs> he slashed one six over backward point. Uh, Look, the, the ball was too close to him to cut. It seemed to me, and he just. Uh, I don't know. He just had sort of somehow managed to flick the wrists and just lashed it over backward point. Flew away. It's a small ground
2: here, St Lawrence Ground.
0: I'm saying St Lawrence Ground's not a small ground at Canterbury. It's a decent sized ground as well. Just to con- conclude the match, um, Kent 307, um, Glamorgan 64 for three declared. So they did everything they could to make a game of it. Uh, Kent then added 60 for one to set up a target of 304. At what seemed to me, if I calculated the overs right, quite a generous, quite you know. So, but it was two teams really. Prepared to, to lose in order to try and win but unfortunately the rain had the last word once again as Glamorgan uh, finished 23 for one. What a game. What a player. Uh, not so at Northampton where just 30, 34 and a half overs were possible against Lancashire. Lancashire seemed to be being hit harder than anybody else by the weather in the last couple of rounds. Yeah, it's normally at
2: Old Trafford where you, you're struggling you, when you leave as a Lancashire player you leave um, Leave Lancashire, you're, you're expecting to get your game in. But Jimmy Anderson will be disappointed with this one because he obviously he was involved and he, he hasn't been able to get on the park. And that'll be a possible concern for England um, about, about Jimmy's body. I and mean, we've been there, man, as we've seen it, into Africa when he, he thought he was hit, playing the first Test match, ruled out for the whole series. So that'll be a, a slight concern on that front. But be interesting to see if he plays in the Roses game this week not much happened in this in the game at Northampton so I just wonder if Jimmy might ask the player possibly the first two days if I was Jimmy Anderson I'd be tempted to say look let me play in the first two days I'd get a substitute because I think he can do that because of international call-up and uh, just to get a few overs under his belt on on sort of Thursday morning Thursday or Friday morning and then meet up with a squad but apart from that not not a great deal happening.
0: Just before we break, one more question about Darren Stevens. He's out of contract at the end of this summer. Kent have let him go once already um, uh, and said that, you know, thanks thanks for your service. Uh, we're kind of forced to take him back because of <laughs> through sheer weight of performance. Do you think they would dare not offer him another year?
2: Yeah, I think he might get, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be an offer there for another year. Um, I, I thought Steve O'Malley went back to Leicester a few years ago because um, obviously that's where he started, that's where he was from, but seems to be settled down. I like the golf down on the, uh, on the southeast coast. Look, I think he deserves reward of a reward of another contract, and I think that would be the, the, the right thing for them to do. I'm sure they've had that conversation, and it's about whether Darwin feels as though he's, he can get out of bed of a morning and, and do it all again. But at this minute in time,
0: you know, even at 45, he looks as though he, he deserves another year on his contract. If they didn't offer him another year, how many offers do you think he'd get from other counties? I think he'd get
2: one or two. I think he'd get one or two. I don't think he'd be it would be everybody chasing chasing him. But I think he'd get one or two, especially especially clubs that look into you know set good examples and the one thing if you're playing at forty five, you set good examples, and um, he's he certainly done that. So I'm sure he'll have I'm sure he'll have one or two. Um, what I said before, I was surprised that he didn't go back to Leicester, especially when Paul Nixon took over. Because I thought Nico might have brought him back to 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 sort of blend with the young players there. So I'm sure if Kent do relinquish the services of Darren Stevens, there will be one or two offers and it'll be whether Darren Stevens really wants to go in and play and whether he wants to coach. He did say he's doing his coaching stuff, so the guy has got a lot of knowledge inside that head of his, played a lot of cricket,
0: and I'm sure he'd be, a, he'd be a valued member to somebody's coaching team. The ECB say that they have no, they've had no formal request from the BCCI to reschedule the fifth and final test match so that they can accommodate the conclusion of the IPL. This is a really, really big story. It might turn out to be a non-story, but I suspect that won't happen. We, when the IPL was cancelled, uh, we did a, a special cricket collective in which we spoke about the possible ramifications of the IPL, concluding with 31 matches still to go. We spoke about how much money would be lost in excess of £250 million if the tournament was not finished. We spoke about collateral damage, about uh, everything right up to and including the Ashes. Being rescheduled in order for the IPL to be played, uh, to be to reach its conclusion, um, and now we're beginning to see the first move from from the IPL. There's been no formal request, but uh, if you speak to the people at Old Trafford, they're a bit worried because uh, in the BCC are asking for that f- fifth Test match to be moved at Old Trafford. They've already sold out the first three days, and I suspect the ECB are finding themselves in a very very Awkward situation, Harmy. They don't want to say no, but the cost of saying yes is, could be enormous.
2: Yeah, the cost of saying yes. I think that's the problem. In um, Old Trafford is a venue that it's one of the best venues in the country for me. Old Trafford. Now the way it looks, the way people support, it's one of the big, big owners, big hitters. And I think, I think it would be very difficult to move it now. Is it the right thing? I find myself doing this job, sometimes criticising, I'm trying to say, criticising the way of, well, players have got to play for England over the IPL. And I, and I still believe that. But I think in this COVID world, the way it is at this moment in time, I think that that's out the window. I think you've got to be as flexible as you possibly can to accommodate everything because... What is the most important thing here now? It's a financial state of the game of cricket, not for India, not for England, not for Australia, but for the lesser the the, the, the the sides who haven't got much money. You know, the ramifications on like South Africa or Bangladesh or the money filters down eventually, it does get down. The big, big lot gets that's fine now that, that that's the way the game is at this minute in time. Some will argue it's not right, and I'll probably be one of them. But it's important that we are flexible to try and change just while this COVID's going on to help accommodate and keep things moving. Because if we keep them moving, money is spent. And if money is spent, it eventually gets to everybody that needs it to keep this great game of ours flowing. And that's the most important thing. I think we have to be flexible. Can they do it? I'm not sure they can do it in this short, short space of time. So first three days are sold out, hotels and everything that's going, security that goes with a test match. The people that from working point of view and getting things in place, it's not as simple as just, well, we'll just move this forward a week. The logistics will be a nightmare. I think the ECB, yes, they're in such a hard place. Can they say no to the BCCI? That's the question. Has anybody got the guts to say no to the BCCI? Are the BCCI going to put England ECB in that position? That's another question. I don't think they would have a second thought, to be fair, because I think the BCCI, like you say, they run yeah, they more or less run the game. Not an arrogance, but it's a, you know, bring in this amount of money that filters down. So we want the biggest, you know, the biggest here. Has Tom Harris and Ashley Giles got it in them to turn around and say, no, this is the programme. This is where we are we move you, you you might have to rethink what what you're trying to do but for me i think it would be a big ask to move it now this this close and we, we we are we are too close to the fifth test match and even though we haven't played a test match this summer logistically i think it'll be a nightmare
0: just to be clear um, ashley giles has said that uh, wherever the ipl is concluded if it is concluded in the september october window the england players won't be involved because they are committed to a tour of bangladesh so what we're what we're basically talking about here i mean look in 2009 harmy the BCCI said was told by the indian government that they couldn't hold the ipl in india because of local elections so they said we'll move it to south africa and it just it was beyond imaginable that they could do that and it just moved this yes. enormous tournament but they did it and you know the answer is you know, if they have a problem, they if they throw enough money at it, they they solve it. So, I mean, if they say to to, to Old Trafford, compensate all the people who bought tickets, compensate mm-hmm. if they throw enough money at the problem, they say, look, here's here's five million dollars, here's here's ten million dollars, just sort it. We need to mm-hmm. finish this because they're small amounts given the the, the enormous revenue, the enormous mm-hmm. value of of the IPL. So. If there is a will, there is the money to find a way. Definitely. And
2: I and I want the England players to play in it, but I don't want them to play. Well, I don't want the England players to play in it over playing test match cricket for England. And I think if they can be, like I said before, flexible as we can be in logistic in the without being too much of a logistic nightmare, find a way of, 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 of appeasing everybody because the players want to play as well. You know, some of these players now have got five, six, seven years not only in the IPL, but with that franchise. And that franchise means something to them. You know, Rajasthan means something to Ben Oaks, You know, Josh Butler, all these players. You know, Owen Morgan's he's captain now of, of KKR. It means something to them. It's not just a cash cow, give me some money and I'll go and play and try my best. the they, they, are, they, are, they are the the history of, of these franchises. So I think we've got to take that into consideration as well. Somehow they've got to find a window um, and further down the line, and further down the line has to be moved, i.e. Even, even if it was to summit the ashes for one year, for one year, it goes, it goes back a week. Think little things like that to help make sure that the biggest global tournament from a cash point of view has got the best names playing, and it's at its best. The, the the cricket world will see that is is a brilliant and, and, and it, it is it's a fantastic tournament, and I think it's it's more important that the best players play in in that, and then just try and move if you move everything back, but within within reason you're not cancelling things, you're just trying to be as flexible as you possibly can until COVID goes because it'll never ever go fully disappear, but it goes into a manageable state. I think the goodwill of the cricket family will, will come together because it's so important. And when I keep saying, and I, and I, and I mean this, I mean this and I say it all the time when I go to local cricket clubs, there was, if the ECB lost so much money, like what South Africa potentially could go bankrupt, because of the IPL not being on or whatever. And I keep saying to these, these, these clubs, you look at them nets you've got, you've got grants for them covers. You've got, you've got grants for, you've got a fantastic roller now that you've got a grant for. That's all come from like ECB grant sport England money that's been earned and, and getting from international cricket. And it filters down eventually to where it's to be. And if we start losing because of arrogance of, well, we, we bang this drum and we look after this and we got to have the IPL and forget the rest of you, then cricket will be in a sorry, sorry state. So it's important that for the next 12 months, 18 months, wherever, that we are as flexible as we possibly can within reason and making sure that the big tournaments, cash tournaments are played. So the money can filter down to the people that need it the most. And that is grassroots cricket. It's emerging nations. It's everything that goes with it. So if there's a chance, we've got to try and finish the IPL as the IPL is. The best players playing against the best players and a great tournament. And if if other other international games have to be moved to accommodate that, I think we have to try and do that because, because we've seen, and I've changed my stance on it, we've seen how much money this IPL gives to the world game and it's so important that we get it.
0: I did say that uh, we would hear from Kane Williamson. So before we run out of time, the uh, Black Caps captain was asked what he thought about England's rest and rotation policy, and uh, Williamson said, said that um, he was uh, it was perfectly understandable.
3: I know they've got a, a lot of Test cricket coming up, starting I think with with us and then India and. Australia and obviously five test match series. So uh, I suppose for them, and and we try to do the same when we know there's a huge volume of cricket, you need to manage that as best you can. Look, the world class players, but they do have a huge amount of depth, um, and and a lot of world class players uh, are in that squad. Um, So, you know, that's a credit to to the cricket that's that's been played here in the UK and, and, yeah, the amount of talented players that are, that are getting opportunities and putting their hands up for opportunities. So um, we know we're, we're going to be up a, against a, a really tough challenge come the first test.
0: That was Kane Williamson uh, saying pretty much what you would expect him to say. Um, and finally, a couple of uh, small uh, items, not small for Boyd Rankin. Uh, he announced his uh, retirement from international cricket, having played for both Ireland and England. And uh, the Pakistan Super League. Um, has uh, announced that uh, they've confirmed logistics and arrangements to finish their own tournament in the UAE. You know, years ago, Hami, when uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi built those cricket stadiums, I wasn't mm. the only one that thought, when are they ever going to be used? Who on yeah. earth is going to play in them? Look, <laughs> They've got more cricket in the last couple of years than anywhere else in the world.
2: They're now the most important cricket grounds in the world now because it just seems like the only place COVID's not took a massive, massive hit and effect. I've been to both grounds and played in both grounds, and they're fantastic stadiums. It's a fantastic place to go and visit and go and play. And I think the Pakistan Super League is probably a, a little bit of a an audition to get the the facilities right. Can we get the COVID rules secure? Can we make sure that everything's ready for? What potentially could be IPL, and then probably the uh, the World T Twenty, uh, because I can only see the World T Twenty happening in the UAE. I can't see it happening in India now. So um, it's good to see them back. Congratulations to Big Boyd on a fantastic career. You know, great man, good, 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 solid guy, good professional. Problems with injuries. Did well for England. Fantastic for Ireland. And uh, good luck with his retirement.
0: Indeed, echo that. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and uh, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now, available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week for a preview of England's Test Series with New Zealand. In the meantime, thanks for listening.